You're listening to Three Valleys Radio. Welcome to our In Conversation programme. Every week we talk to a sporting personality to find out just what makes them tick. From their early childhood, to their professional career, to their musical tastes. We cover it all. So sit back and enjoy as we talk to this week's special guest. Here on Three Valleys Radio. Good evening and welcome to the show. And this week we're going slightly off-piste in that we're going to go into the world of horse racing. And my guest tonight is an up-and-coming Lambourne trainer, Jamie Snowden. Well, good evening, Jamie. It's good of you to join us. Um, first time we've done a horse racing man on this. No, we've done. I've done one more. Colin Brown we did. So, uh, But you're the second, so I'm looking forward to hearing... All about your lifestyle as a uh, racing trainer. So uh, we'll see how we get on, eh? Excellent. Well, I, I hope um, I hope one day we can uh, we can follow in in Colin's footsteps and have a have a horse as good as Desert Orchid. That'd be lovely. Well, I'll ride it then. Okay. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Quite right. So uh, take me back, Jamie. Um, well, first of all, where were you born? Uh, I was born in Poole, actually, down in Dorset. All right. Yeah, not that far from here then. Um, and um, what what exactly can you remember about your your first sort of your first introduction to horses really oh good very good question obviously um i i my 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 mother was um was a doctor's daughter she um she she was very much brought up down in uh, down in dorset Stemston newton and uh, and her father was was a big hunting man so um they 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 were a big hunting family and um my father was a was a, a, a a, a, a farmer's son um they farmed up in yorkshire and hunted and, and and rode and what have you so um a very very sort of country um upbringing and uh and 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 really you know ponies and horses were were with us from right from right from the beginning really right and and can you remember sort of very roughly when you got on one and you actually rode one albeit probably a pony i suspect or a yeah, I suppose. I mean, the fact that I can't remember probably suggests it was it was quite early on in my life, really. Yeah, but, um, yeah, um, yeah. Right, right, right from day dot, I think. And I noticed in, when I was doing my homework on you, um, you got involved with the pony club. But what, what sort of age group does that entail? So um, the pony club. So my kids are in the pony club at the moment. Um, so yeah, so they, they we started off probably uh, as early as five in the pony club. Right. Mum, mum, and dad actually. Mum and Dad actually moved out to um, to Africa. Dad Dad was um, working for a company called British American Tobacco, and um, he he went out there, I suppose, when I was three, and um, and we ended up sort of living out in Africa, but coming back on our on our school holidays and this that and the other, and and um, home was home was always North Dorset, South Somerset, just um, just uh, not far from Wincanton, Temple Coombe area, mm. and. Um, and that that was always our our family home. So even when we were out in Africa, we would we would come back and have have holidays back at back at home, back in Dorset, and um, and hunting and pony club and all those sort of team team games, you know, show jumping and and tetrathlons and what have you. So uh, it was um, a lovely childhood, really. And and just take me back to Africa. Whereabouts in Africa were you? Dad was um, Dad was based out in Kenya, Malawi, Uganda, and Nigeria. On a ten-year, from eighty eighty-two to ninety-two, and um, so we were. My, my my sister and I started to go to school out there, and then um, and then when I was when I was seven, came back to school over over here, 
um, I went to Sandroid in, in Wiltshire. So, you know, were you close from any of the sort of wildlife reserves and that sort of thing in any of those uh, those locations? Yeah, yeah, we, 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 we were sort of on them, really. Yeah, we were... Um, yeah, so in in Africa, obviously, we used to go down to down to the coast quite a bit, down in Tiwi and um, the Masai Mara and um, Nairobi National Park and and uh, Samburu and yeah, no, we 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 sort of visited all all of those and it was a, a wonderful upbringing. Any any close encounters with giraffes or elephants or lions or anything? Uh, plenty of close encounters, um, but but thankfully nothing that I can think of where my life flashed before my eyes. So <laughs> oh, uh, no. that's okay, then. That's okay. Exactly. <laughs> so obviously, when you got back to England, then uh, you got involved in point to points. Now um, we all know what point to points are, but uh, you know, generally, what what sort of age group would that have been? Sixteen, seventeen, something like that. Yeah, um, I, I I rode my first point to point when. Um, when I think, yeah, I think I was 16, exactly. I, I rode out for a, a lovely chap called John Duffersey. His, um, his grandfather, Harry Duffersey, actually strained, trained Stalbridge colonists to, to, win, to win the Hennessy um, back then, beating a, a, a famous horse called Arkle, believe it or not. But, really? Um, yeah, I remember Arkle. <clears throat> yeah, so it was a, a, a wonderful family of, 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 of steeped in racing, really. And, and John Duffersey, I, I first rode out for, for Duff when I was 14 and um, got run away with on a on a old horse called Fair Attraction. I remember it to this day. And um, <laughs> I got run away with and, and Duff came in and, and said, you know, did you enjoy that? Yeah, I wasn't screaming or anything else like that. And yeah, I loved it. I got, you know, it was, it was, it was what it's all about, but a speed and, and um, since, yeah, I was, I was hooked from, from that day onwards, really. Mm, God, that's good. A good way to start though. I remember, uh, in, well, I must've been about 22, 23. I went white riding with my, uh, soon-to-be wife um just around here up on ham hill did you know where ham hill was you know yes yeah, yeah. anyway yeah. We, we we there was a whole well, i said the whole gang it was about seven or eight horses i suppose something like that and this this girl was in charge of it all and she would put on in front and we'd all follow on behind like you know a load of cart horses as it were but all of a sudden she started speeding up and of course then the whole the next one speeds up then the next one speeds up because they all think they've got to speed up so by the time they get around to me, I'm hanging on for dear life as this horse is going full pelt for a while. It was Wonderful. it was quite hairy, I must admit. <laughs> yeah, I bet it was. Now we find out what Jamie's musical tastes are with the first of his choices, which is Roy Orbison in Dreams. A candy-coloured clown they call the Sandman Tiptoes to my room every night Just to sprinkle stardust and to whisper Go to sleep, everything is all right. I close my eyes, then I drift away into the magic night. I softly say a silent prayer. Like
there we go. That was the first of Jamie's musical choices, and that was Roy Orbison and In Dreams. Right, so you'd reached this point, and you'd had started riding out, as you say, um, and then I, I picked up on your notes that uh, you rode out for Nigel Tristan Davis as well. Was that sort of pretty close afterwards? Yeah, I was. Um, I, I, I from Sandroid, I went on to a, um, a boarding school called um, called Radley College up in um, up in Oxfordshire. Mm. And um, and when I was when I was riding out at um, or sorry when I was at, at, at school at Radley, I'd, at, I, some of my um, school holidays I'd go and ride out for local trainers and um, yeah spent spent a bit of time up at up at Nigel's. Um, must have had some better quality horses up there, wasn't it? Or, or... But, yeah, very very good horses and um, and yeah, Peter Skidmore was up there at the time and and um, Peter Peter would uh, teach me a bit of, a bit about riding and. Yeah, further, further my education really on 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 horses and racing and and um, obviously at that time it was it was all about riding in point to points and 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 doing my GCSEs and what have you. But um, riding in point to points is is what I you know really wanted to do. And as I say, I rode my first point to point when I was sixteen, and um, I loved you know the West Country point to point life was 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 mm. great fun. For I suppose I was in it for for the best part of ten or twelve years, and yeah, it was wonderful. Really. Um, now, New Zealand crops up somewhere along the line. Am I am I close to that now? It must be fairly close because you hadn't had your degree then. Yeah, so I um I, I did my A levels at, at Radley and and then had a had a gap year, um, I had a gap year between school and university and uh, went off to go go out to New Zealand, tra- traveling the world a wee bit and rode out for um you know the the lovely thing about about riding racehorses is. You know, you can pretty much go anywhere in the world and and, and be riding horses, and mm. um, so I was earning a bit of money out in New Zealand, travelling around and um, going racing out there. I never, I never, never race rode out there, but um, did did a fair bit of travelling, and and uh, yeah, it was it was great fun. It was um, a proper proper eye opener out in New Zealand for sure. What was the uh, the standard of racing like over in New Zealand? I've never actually seen any on TV or anything. Is it sort of quite um, professional and strong? Yeah, it's um, it, it is professional. It's um, it's it's it is. Yeah, they have some they have some decent horses out there and decent decent racing. Um, it's um, but for me, it was it was more about just um, you know, going away from home and and growing up and experience a bit 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 more of life really. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So then you came back, went to university. I, I'm I'm hoping I got the timing roughly right. Um, to Newcastle University. What sort of degree did you do up there? <laughs> I managed to get a degree. Yeah. Um, it was uh, agricultural business management and food marketing, for what it's worth. Of course, sounds it sounds riveting. That really does. Yeah, <laughs> it was. Uh, yeah, I, you know, it was it was three wonderful years. I got a scholarship from from the army to to, to go to university, and so um, so the army sort of paid paid for my way through through uni, and, and Newcastle was just oh, it was a wonderful, wonderful, really just such fun. Three great years. Um, Met met some wonderful um, friends who still are great mates now, and and uh, it was um, it was a really really good time. So hang on a minute, I've got I'm slightly out of queue here. I think there. So when did you get to go into the army? This must have been slightly before you went to university. If they paid for it, then. Um, so I, I applied um, I applied to go to Sandhurst before before I went to university, hmm. and um, and and God knows how, but they I managed to get a get a scholarship to go, which was. Uh, uh, by hook or by crook, I think perhaps, but um, mm. well, well worth it anyway. So Sandhurst, you were an officer then. So I was a, I was an officer training at Sandhurst, and um, I did 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 a year. I went went there in two thousand and one. Um, I think it was about a four weeks after, probably less than that, two or three weeks after joining in two thousand and one. There were the, 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 that was when nine eleven happened. Oh and, right, um, yeah, yeah. You know, I remember during the first five weeks at Sandhurst, you're not allowed any contact with the outside world, and um, you, you, literally you have you have what you're given by the army, apart from your boxer shorts, which I think you, you supply yourself. But apart from and your toothbrush, but I think everything else you're given by the army, and you're sort of completely sort of um, decivilianized is probably the best description of it. And um, and and. 9/11, as I say, took place during that, that those first few weeks of Sandhurst, and I remember we were we were ushered up into 
up into a room and, and, and sat down to watch the news and we saw the events that were taking place over, over in America and, and you know every every man sitting there thought that this was some kind of drill that that was part of Sandhurst we didn't realize that it was it was happening in real life you just no. couldn't quite believe it could you but no, um, no. certainly those those events changed changed our our life in the army for for, for the foreseeable future really so look at, looking back on your time in the army we'll come on to the riding aspect of it in a minute um did you enjoy it did did you did it make a man of you should we say yeah it really did it really did i i I would recommend it to anyone. It was, I did a short service commission, um, which is one year at Sandhurst and then three years in a, in a regiment. I joined a cavalry regiment called the King's Royal Hussars and, and again, got some great mates from there that, that, that still, you know, still great mates now. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was a, a good time. It really was. I mean, it was a tough time, of, of course, tough time, but, um, I, I certainly look back on it with, with rose-tinted glasses, for sure. Well, music now, and this song always makes me feel emotional. I think it's a fantastic piece of music. And, of course, it's uh, the theme music to Bob Champion's, Alden E.T. Champion's film. And it's called, surprisingly, Champion. theme music from Bob Champion's film about Old Anisi called Champions. Okay, so obviously during the, your time in the army, they obviously sussed out that you could ride horses, hence the Grand Military Cup and the Royal Artillery Gold Cup. Yeah, exactly. There was, um, there was one particular time in, 2000 in, in the spring of 2002 when I was still at Sandhurst and 
I was on guard duty and um, there was a, a knock on the guardroom door on the on the Thursday evening and uh, I was I, I the chap came in and said Snowden I sort of jumped to my feet thinking, yeah. Yeah. and I was ushered up into the uh, the commandant at Sandhurst I was up, uh, ushered up into his office and um, I, I certainly knew I'd done something severely badly or well I didn't realize I, what what was in store really but I sort of thought I hadn't polished my boots or hadn't you know done something correctly and um I was up, ushered up into his office and, and he said, uh, he said, Snowden, he said, you can ride horses, can't you? I said, well, y- yes. He said, well, you're riding in the 3.30 at Sandown tomorrow, which was the Grand Military um, Gold Cup. Um, and, and he was in the Royal Irish Regiment. And the Royal Irish Regiment had leased a horse to run in the, in, in the Grand Military. And they had one of their jockeys from the Royal Irish Regiment due to ride, uh, a, a girl called Lucy Horner. But she was um, she was stuck in a mortar attack in Northern Ireland and and couldn't get back from Northern Ireland. So uh, so they needed a, a a stand-in sub to to ride the horse the following day. I happened to be that stand-in sub and and uh, the horse happened to go and win. Just by um, just by pure coincidence, of course. Just by pure coincidence, yeah. I, I was meant to be in I was meant to be in the gas chamber that that morning, but I managed to get out of the gas chamber and go. And, Go and ride the winner of the three twenty five at Sandown. Well, that makes for a and, good story, uh, doesn't it? Well, it was really because it, it was a proper sort of sliding doors moment, really. Because um, on on the back of that, I the the commandant at Sandhurst was obviously you know thrilled to bits, and he actually had a picture of of me riding the horse over the last in his office from 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 then on in, and it was my sort of get out of jail free card from Sandhurst. Really, I ended up commissioning in the top three. Um, a top third of, of all the cadets for some reason I, I can only I can only imagine it was because I <laughs> I, I won the grand military but uh, so what was uh, it like as you as you came up the the winning you know up towards the winning line what was the feeling like well it was mad it really was because um, what's amazing about that race is that anyone who competes in that then goes back to have a a, a glass of champagne with the queen or as it was then the queen mother oh, right. and um, and and I didn't have a clue about any of this and and uh, obviously we, we won and we were sort of celebrating afterwards in the bar and and then I got told that I had to go and have a, a drink with the Queen Mother back at Windsor, Windsor Royal Lodge and we jumped in the car and didn't have a clue where we were going to get to Windsor Royal Lodge and we ended up getting lost a great friend of mine Alex Michael and I we ended up getting lost and and uh, and then the police came and found us wherever we were and escorted us <laughs> to, to to Windsor Royal Lodge to go and have a drink with the Queen Mother, which was um, just totally surreal. And and the follow and that night I was then back in in Sandhurst and back sort of square bashing the following day. It was a a, a very odd time, but um, what was yeah, she like? But, what was the Queen Mother like? Amazing, yeah, she really was incredible. Um, she she uh, much like the Queen, she she took a great interest in racing and and was very knowledgeable. Must have been a thrill, though, to go and meet one of the, well, the Queen Mother, one of the royal family. I mean, and not just a royal family, I mean, one of the, the top top notches, as it were, in the royal family, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, um, as I say, it was a very surreal experience because, you know, it all happened so quickly from from polishing my boots to, to getting the call up to them winning and then ending up at Windsor Royal Lunch, at Windsor Royal Lodge having a glass of champagne with the Queen Mother. It was um, yeah. very, very strange. And then you you followed that up with four Royal Artillery Gold Cups as well. Well, then, um, so obviously I graduated from, from, or commissioned from Sandhurst and ended up joining the cavalry regiment, the King's Royal Hussars. And um, three of us joined at the same time, Angus Tilney, Will Hodgkinson and myself. And and we we, we were called up into the the colonel's office and, and had a cup of tea and and, and the colonel said, so, Angus, you know, what what do you want out of the army? And Angus said, well, I'd like to, you know, command the regiment. I said, Will, what would you like out of the army? And, and Will said, well, I'd like to command the regiment, colonel. Jamie, what would you like out of the army? And I said, well, colonel, to be quite honest with you, I want to carry on riding and win as many Grand Military Gold Cups as I can for the regiment. He's, and the colonel said, right, Angus, Will, off you go. Jamie, how are we going to manage this one? And um, I ended up sort of uh, managing to spend a, a, a or arranging to have a, a, a season down at Paul Nichols's where I was living in the pub um, down in Ditchit working for Paul and um, 
on a second lieutenant's wage and uh, Paul, managed, Paul paid all my sort of bar bills and accommodation bills and I ended up working for Paul for, for a year and I said to I said to Paul there's only one sort of condition of this is please can we try and find a horse to, to run in the Grand Military and the, and the Royal Artillery Gold Cups and um, Paul very kindly found found a couple of steering jobs and I went on to go and win the Royal Artillery and the Grand Military another four times so it was, uh, <laughs> it was a wonderful time. So going back to the first Grand Military what was the horse I mean was it when I say I know it's a horse, obviously, and it's a it's a race a race horse. But was it a race horse that the army had kind of organised, or was it that you sort of borrowed one, or uh, I think you mentioned the word leasing one from from a, a proper trainer? How did that work? Yeah, yeah. So it was a proper proper race horse, proper trainer, um, and 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 it still goes ahead now. You know, the the the, the race horses are all proper race horses, um, trained by proper trainers, either leased or owned by military um, personnel, and and ridden by army jockeys. Um, oh, right. So uh, yeah, the first horse happened to be uh, the, the the first winner happened to be a horse called Folly Folly Road, and um, we're now training in Lambourne from Folly House. Oh, well, there um, you go. That's a, a good eight. link, really, isn't it? So moving on, then, Jamie, um, you wore the Queen's colours on a horse called First Love at Sandown. Was that was that a military type race or just a standard regular race? Yeah, so um, having having done a year at um, at Paul Nichols's, I, I then went back to back to the army, and um, Paul offered me the job as pupil as, uh, as assistant. I was basically acting as pupil assistant down there at the time, and Paul offered me the job as assistant when I left the army, mm. um, which I, I accepted. Um, as time transpired, uh, the then assistant ended up moving on, and and, and Paul needed a, a, an assistant now. Um, I couldn't do that because I still had commitments with the army, and, and so Dan Skelton ended up going as as assistant to Paul Nichols, and um, and Paul very kindly got me the job when I left the army at, at Nicky Henderson's. Oh, so I then, yeah. so I went to I went to Nicky's in two thousand and four um, when I left the army, and I I was there till two thousand and eight, and during my time as assistant to, to Nicky, I I carried on riding as an amateur, and. Um, yeah, I managed to. Well, Nicky was kind enough to to put me on a few nice horses. One of which happened to be First Love for the Queen, and mm. um, and First Love won three races in a row. And um, yeah, it was a, a a great privilege and honour, really. Did you meet the Queen though? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we managed to go to. She very kindly invited us to her 80th birthday party, which um, cool. was quite fun. You know, I've mixed with them, don't you? Oh dear! Oh dear! <laughs> Hey, Honestly, man, what a... it was it it was it's just it was just being in the right place at the right time, and I had a very very lucky and fortunate sort of upbringing, really. And, and uh, yeah, yeah, as I say, these kind of sliding door moments, and um, ended up on the right side of the door. Uh, I bet you get invited to a load of parties, so you can go and tell. Well, of course, I went out for and had a drink with the Queen Mother and the Queen. Yeah, Mother, you know, yeah. regular part of my life at that point, really, wasn't it? <laughs> it was. It was a. A, a, an amazing time really yeah i would imagine so um so uh looking at i saw i picked up somewhere that you had 60 winners in point to points and 40 under rules is that about right yeah i think that was that was about right yeah yeah so about yeah. 100 and total yeah which was great and, and of the two trainers i mean you're talking about two top quality top of their trade traders in Nicky henderson and paul nichols who would you say was the most what should I say? I was going to say professional, but I'm sure they're both both very professional. But which one did you get on best with? Put it that way. Um, good question, really. Um, I think I think um, I suppose in terms of age wise, I was I was obviously closer to Paul Nichols than I was to Nicky. Um, so you know, from that point of view, um, I probably had had had. You know, a bit, bit more banter, I suppose, with with perhaps Paul. But um, you know, obviously, they're they're both two wonderful trainers, and you know, if some of their talent could could rub off on me, then then mm. you know, so, um, I'd be I'd be lucky. I read Paul Nichols's book. Actually, didn't mention you in there though. I should have a word with him about that. <laughs> <laughs> more music now, and this time it's Queen and Bohemian Rhapsody. Fantasy. 
Caught in a landslide No escape from reality Open your eyes Look up to the skies and see I'm just a poor boy I need no sympathy Because I'm easy come, easy go Little high Just killed a man Put a gun against his head Pulled my trigger, now he's dead Mama Life had just begun But now I've gone and thrown it all away Mama
Queen there and Bohemian Rhapsody. So uh, you moved into your new training establishment. Well, first of all, you were you were one I read somewhere in a, a, a difficult to find place in in Wiltshire, but you didn't mention where. Yeah, so um, two thousand and eight, I, I left Nicky's and and started up training from a little village called Eversbourne Wake, um, which mm. is between between Salisbury and Shaftesbury. Yeah, on a on a, a rented place, we had a, a small number of boxes and a and a gallop, and and we. Um, we sort of cut our teeth down there, I suppose. Um, we had 15 winners in a couple of years, and um, it, it was it was all very quaint and lovely and, and what have you. But it certainly wasn't going to be a, a place that we could we could stay forever, and it certainly wasn't going to be a place where we'd be training, you know, Cheltenham Festival winners from. So mm. we um, we made the bold move in 2011 to move up to Folly House, which is where we are in Lambourne. Uh, it's where we are today in Lambourne, mm-hmm. and um, we moved up here with sort of ten horses and and um, a, a baby that was two months old, probably not even that, a month old. And we moved into Folly House, and and here we are now with with fifty odd horses and, and three kids, and thankfully graded and Cheltenham Festival winners under our belt since. Oh, we'll, we'll come to that in a minute. So. Um... <clears throat> when you uh, when you moved in into Folly House, how many horses did you have to start with? Yeah, probably ten or fifteen at the time. Yeah, no, no, no more than that for sure. And and was it easy to get uh, owners to to come to you, being as you were loosely speaking the rookie of the uh, of the of the yard, as it were? Yeah, um, I no, I mean it, it wasn't easy. Um, it, it certainly wasn't easy. You know, I think. What's amazing is you get you go from you know someone like Nicky Henderson and Paul Nichols who are training Cheltenham Festival winners left, right, and centre, and you go and start out by yourself, and you think, you know, you think it's e- you th- you think it must be easy, but you soon realise how mm. how tricky it really is. And um, no, it, it, it certainly you know it didn't come it didn't come easy to, at all, and, and we had to graft, had to work, and and um, you know, listen, we're still grafting and working now, but um, you know. That's um, that's what life is, isn't it? And and a horse called Knight and Coombe won the, the Summer National, and that was the first runner you had out of the new yard, correct? That's right. Yeah, yeah. Knight and Coombe um, owned and bred by mum and dad. Yeah. And uh, I even I even managed to win a few races on him, so he must must have been quite good. So did you, um, did, did you win this Summer National, or were you full full blown no, trader by then? Yeah, no, I was training, and and Daryl Daryl, a great friend of mine, Daryl Jacob rode him. Oh right, and, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, so that was that was our fir- first runner from here, and then we had a winner at Cheltenham that autumn, and and then really things began to sort of start to snowball from there, really. Mm. Um, and then of course we got to Cheltenham. Now, what year was the Cheltenham winner? Two thousand and fourteen, I think it was our third third ever runner at the festival. And, and it was called Present View. Who rode it? Brendan Powell. Right, and did he win easily? He won by half a length. Oh, not easy. There, it. <laughs> there, there was a there was a steers inquiry. Oh God! And um, yeah, he he won at Kempton at February in February, and, and um, I said to Brendan, I said we we need to be winning by by plus of you know, ten lengths. We need to get into the hand, this handicap at Cheltenham. And I said we need to be winning. You know, quite quite. We need to give him a kick in the belly and try and win by sort of ten lengths to get up in the handicap to get in to get into the Cheltenham race. Anyway, he won by twelve and. The handicapper put us up twelve. I, I, I phoned up the handicapper and said, well, "Can you only put us up eleven and and manage to get him down a pound?" And we won by half a length. So uh, that that phone call to the handicapper was um, certainly worthwhile. I didn't know those sort of phone calls took place. They are sort of. I was going to no, I won't use that word, but they are. They, they, you can persuade them to change their minds slightly. Then can you? Ah. No, I, I listen. He, we were both right at the end of the day. We won by half, a, you know, a pound a length. You know, uh, he wanted to put us up twelve. I, 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 I tried to ask for eleven, and we won by half a length. And thankfully, he, he gave us that pound. So uh, we were both right. In fairness, mm. um, thankfully, he he did accept the the pound. And uh, yeah, what a what a day that was. Yeah, I bet. Who presented the prize to you? Uh, Josh Appiaffi. It was it was um, the rewards for racing novice handicap chase. Yeah. Um, it was quite it was an interesting story actually. The, I had a, the racing for change, which is the sort of PR side of racing, put a heart monitor on me at the time, and your maximum heart rate should be two hundred and twenty less your age. So mine should have been one hundred and eighty five, 
But when presently you crossed the line, it was 193. <laughs> so that, those, those last few, the last fence and the final running must have been real nerve-wracking stuff then. Certainly was, yeah, great. It's, it's the only way to really describe the, the emotion that goes into it. And, mm. and um, yeah, it was a phenomenal experience. Well, I suppose I'd liken that a little bit to a footballer scoring a goal, really. The, the, you know, the adrenaline flush that she must get must be absolute. I, I remember when, you know, I told you I got a horse in this hot to trot thing. And I remember we went, we went up to, um, where was it, Sandown, I think it was. And, and it won there. And I yeah, and then that was just me owning, you know, third hair on his left testicle sort of thing. So it was, yeah, uh, it was, yeah it was, it, I can imagine what it must have felt like for you. That must have been great, really. Some buzz. And you had 46 winners last season, which is uh, not bad. No, it was good. It was a, it was a, it was one of those amazing seasons where everything seemed seemed to click and work. And and I think um, I think there was only Nicky Henson with, with a higher percentage strike rate in the top in the top 25 trainers in the country at the end of the season. So um, it, it was it was wonderful. Obviously, Hogan's height winning over the Grand National fences was was pretty special. And and um, a great supporter of our yard, Sir Chips Keswick, um, who owned Present View, he, he shared a horse um, with the Duchess of Cornwall called Pacify, and, and Pacify won, won five on the bounce, including a listed race at Kempton last season. And yeah, it was it was just one of those amazing years where where everything just seemed to click, and and um, it all went brilliantly. So you know, we're we're back to today now. Um... What are you? What are, have you got? A sort of an overall game plan? I mean, obviously to to train more winners and become more successful. But anything in particular that you want to do as you you move on through life and become a more experienced trainer? Yeah, well, I'm, as you say, you know, we all we all want to you know better ourselves and we all want to improve and we all want better quality horses and, and winning better quality races and. Yeah, the the you know the usual kind of stuff. We just want to keep driving forward, really. But um, I suppose the immediate the immediate thoughts are, are just getting through this pandemic and and um, keeping the business intact and and uh, you know slightly putting our heads down and getting getting through it all and hopefully coming out the other side and then expanding and growing from there, really. And and have you found it extra difficult, um, you know, working through the pandemic with with the way things are with racing at the moment or have you managed to sort of adapt to it fairly well as, as days go by? Yeah, I suppose we've all adapted to it as best as we can, but, um, you know, we, naturally there is a, a you know, a, a, a storm hitting really in the fact that, um, you know, people are probably less likely to, uh, to, to, to spend at the moment. Um, so, you know, we, we, we don't want to be taking too many, too many risks that, that, that um, I mean, obviously, training racehorses, and, and and you always have to take risks. And running your own business, you've always got to take risks. Otherwise, you don't go forward. But um, yeah, we just want to try and weather the storm and and move forward successfully. Really. Well, it's a it's a, it's a tremendous story. Um, very interesting as well. I think for our listeners, I hope so. Anyway, but it's not over yet. It's not. It's over not yet. over yet. It's Hopefully, it's just over beginning. Yet. We've got this. <laughs> we've got part two to do now. Next one of Jamie's musical choices. We've got George Ezra and Shotgun. Homegrown alligator. See you later. Gotta hit the road. Gotta hit the road. Sun and change in the atmosphere, architecture unfamiliar. I could get used to this. Time flies by in the yellow and green. Stick around and you'll see what I mean. There's a mountain top that I'm dreaming of. If you need me, you know where I'll be. I'll be riding shotgun underneath the hot sun, feeling like a someone. I'll be riding shotgun underneath the hot sun, feeling like a someone. South of the equator, navigator, gotta hit the road, gotta hit the road. She diving round the clock, bikini bottoms, lager tops. I could get used to this. Time flies by in the yellow and green. Stick around and you'll see what I mean. There's a mountain top that I'm dreaming of. If you need me, you know where I'll 
I'll be, I'll be riding shotgun underneath the huts. I'm feeling like a someone. I'll be riding shotgun underneath the huts. I'm feeling like a someone. We got two in the front, two in the back, sailing along. I think won a Brit Award. Right, now part two has been sort of slightly um, um, pinched from the, the football side of our, our radio station and uh, in that we, we try to get to the bottom of who our players are and in your case, who our trainers are. So I'm going to ask you a load of sort of relatively inane questions that you're going to hopefully answer for me. So um, place of birth you've already mentioned was Paul. Um, date of birth? Um, 5th of June, 79. Right. Uh, have you got any brothers and sisters? Yep, one sister. Yeah, and her name is? Charlotte. And you're married to? Married to Lucy. And you've got three children? Yep, three oh. children. Um, Letty, Harry and Arthur. Okay. Um, so where did you spend most of your childhood? In, in the pool area? Um, yeah, in North North Dorset, South Somerset, and and Africa. Right. Okay. Um, wait a minute. I've got to get rid of this. Not because you haven't played at any of these particular venues. I don't think uh, you haven't been sent off, have you? No. No. Uh, <laughs> um, best mate in racing. Um, best mate in racing. Um, probably the two guys that I used to live with, Charlie Longston um, and and uh, Tom Simmons. They're probably good mates. Both jockeys or are they trainers now? They're both trainers now, yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, what car do you drive? Um, an Audi and a Discovery. Okay. <clears throat> what, the Discovery is more for work and charging around the gallops and what have you, is it? Ex exactly. Yeah. Uh, what car would you like to own, given the circumstances were right? Uh, they don't. Cars don't really fuss me, to be honest with you. They, they get you from A to B. Okay. All right, then. That's fair enough. Um when it comes to your clothes, have you got any particular style that you like wearing? Are you a t-shirt and jeans man, or are you a, you know? Um, a... No, again, not too fast. Probably shirt, shirt, jeans. Yeah, shirt, and jeans. Yeah. So, so you're, you're not exactly a dedicated follower of fashion, then, typically. No, that's that's probably fair to say. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, right. What would you say is your favourite film? Gladiator. Oh, that was pretty precise. Okay, and your favourite film star, male? Oh, God. Pass. Um, oh. Pass, yeah. Come back to that one then and think about it for a minute. Um, the same question, but female? Gwyneth Paltrow. Okay. Um, favourite TV show? Um, the Morning Line. Okay, uh, so you like Ollie Bell then? Well, actually, I don't watch it to be honest now because you're sort of you're out on the gallops. But um, favorite TV show, um, racing replay. Put it, put that racing replay. Okay, um, right. Well, we're uh, TV show. Favorite TV star, male. Oh, I wouldn't have a clue. Um, favorite male TV star. 
Um, I don't know. Say, uh, uh, Russell Crowe. Okay. And but he's not TV. He's movie, isn't he? Well, he yeah. is. So, we, well, you just answered the movie one then. So, uh, you know, somebody like sort of Del Boy or I, I don't know. Just, just. Yeah, uh, there you go, Del yeah, Boy. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. Um, we'll miss that female because you'll probably struggle with that one, I expect. Uh, what do you do after a busy day's racing? Just come home and relax and, and have a drink and go to bed, or? Well, it depends whether it's during COVID times or not. But um, yeah, I mean, obviously, there's always there's always work to do to to get to get plans and plans in place for the following day and and um what horses are going to exercise and what what you know what do i i do the board in the evening so that uh, i know what's going to happen the following morning mm-hmm. um but yeah then um yeah catch up with catch up with lucy and the kids and um yeah have a glass of wine right so we're into the culinary department now uh, what's your favorite food steak and chips and your favorite drink um red wine okay have you got any hobbies outside of racing um golf yeah i play, play, play a fair bit of golf um sports in general in fairness yeah okay right coke or pepsi uh neither okay coke. mercedes or bmw wouldn't have don't mind you're supposed to answer these, Jamie. <laughs> Mac or PC? Um, PC. Beer or lager? Lager. Steak or curry? Steak. Uh, other sports, we've done that. Um, right, let's sneak in now with uh, Jamie's final musical choice, and it's called I Dreamed a Dream, and it's from Lee Miserable.
I Dreamed a Dream there from the original cast, I think, of Les Miserables. Who would you like to most like to meet, dead or alive? Um, Martin Luther King. Okay. Now, you're going to have a dinner party. And with the obvious inclusion of your wife, I want five guests, dead or alive, to your dinner party that are going to make it go with a bang. Um, five guests. So are, are we talking celebrities or just good mates? Uh, whoever you want. Celebrities, good mates, whoever. They, they, the, the missing ingredient I, I, is... I, I, they... I'll, go, I'll go for good mates. I'll go for my old, my, my old house at university. Um, we'll, go for, we'll go for Ben Capon, Ed Ryder, Charlie Barker, um, and then we'll have a couple of girls in there, probably. So we'll go for we'll go for Lucy, and we'll go for Balthazar and Beanie Be, Beanie Beanie Beauville that was Beanie Fabricius that is now. Right. Well, you better tell me that, that you've got, they've got a name check on Radio Three Free Valleys Radio. <laughs> <laughs> and um, after after horse racing becomes more of a chore and less of an enjoyment, uh, is it just a question of retiring and and enjoying the rest of your life with the kids and, and a nice nice home and you know, taking it easy, um, or have you got any? I, I remember, of... I, I remember reading, um, reading, reading a book and inside a racing book once, and um, Vincent Brown's autobiography, I think it was, and there was a poem in there, and um, it was a wonderful poem, and and it finally ends, and it says, uh, "In most other professions, you prosper, retire, and die. Trainers go on training. I'm buggered if I know why." <laughs> <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Great. Well. Jamie, you've passed the test. You've managed to get to the end without many too, uh, not too many uh, mishaps, so that's good. Uh, really appreciate you coming on, mate. And uh, you know, it's uh, I'm sure it'll it'll start a trend because we want to we want to move away a little bit from football on Three Valleys Radio. And racing is obviously a very uh, interesting way to go, I think. So getting people like you on is is great. So Brilliant. Thanks. Well, delighted to be on. So thank you for having me. Oh no, it's been great. This is Three Valleys Radio. The heart is a and you've been listening to the In Conversation program with A.D. Hopper. No space to in this town. Make sure you join us every week here on Three Valleys Radio.